I can't think of any local or international artist who has immediately claimed their rightful place on the top ranks as a musician or a servant of their own creative field. Even the greats like Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, Eminem, and Biggie started from almost nothing and climbed the ladder of success. Is it a matter of quality over quantity that make things work for an uprising artist or times have already shifted and people only care about how much of your craft you can bring to the table and turn a blind eye on the quality of work. Hi neighbor, my name is Mackie and in this episode, I'll be talking about some of my personal experiences during my younger days as a starting creative or a starting producer and also some of the stories of struggle from my friends and people I know and work with who shared the same experiences as they work, work their way through the ranks of the creative industry. Welcome to episode 6 of the Progress Neighborhood Podcast. In the era of everything seems to matter online, a threat to creative culture is starting to overshadow the context of creativity, placing every young creative in a starting grid and forcing them to work as if all of them are racing to fame. Musicians, artists, creatives who thirst for digital likes and follows are popping here and there, disregarding the essence and meaning that each of their craft should offer its consumers. Let me take you back to the year 1998, the era of GPRS, infrared transfers, dial-up lines, and rock-solid phones. The internet is a tech advancement that only the fortunate could afford. Aspiring DJs, artists, and producers swapping mixtape cassettes swarm a rap event in one of the staple bars in the heart of Manila, Philippines. Some of them carry CDs with their name and set list set list inked by a nearly depleted sharpie i was there observing people on how things work telling myself that one day one day i'd be able to do my own mixtapes and share it with these people i remember scavenging our attic for some old cassette tapes that i could rewrite my mixtapes on so i can start sharing it to people and start my dream as producer. Growing up, I'm always fascinated fascinated by how my idols back then did some awesome music with the likes of Head Candy, Tiesto, Chicane, just to name a few. And to think I am only 7 years old at that time, so I can only do so much by mixing and trying to mimic their music using a tape recorder and electric piano that my mom bought me for Christmas. By the time I reached the age of 10, my dad enrolled me to a short guitar class. There I got myself my first formal music theory class, understanding chord progressions and all. I'm not sure if you've heard 
in my past episodes that I am pretty much a wimp when I was a kid and I don't have a lot of friends. You often find me in our school's library or music department mingling with geeks and music club members who play the violin, saxophone, and other orchestral instruments. Some of them taught me how to read notes, but I didn't really bother pursuing any of those because I only kept my eye on the goal and that is to produce my first electro or techno track or add something unique on my mixtapes that would make heads of people bob and you know generate a, a certain vibe By the year 2008, I found myself immersed deeply into the techno-trance genre. The dream of having expensive CDJs is somewhat sufficed by, di- by a cheap digital version of it called Virtual DJ, running on my Pentium 10 PC. The internet is somehow accessible already, but still limited. And... I remember an obsolete downloading platform called LimeWire gave me my first crates of trance and hip-hop music. Crates and crates of music from Armin Van Buren, Armin Van Helden, Fatboy Slim, Cascade, Bonnie Bailey, to... Dr. Dre, Wu-Tang Clan, NWA, Biggie, and Run DMC. I spent almost five to six hours watching videos, reading magazines, and learning my way through on DJing. I was sitting in a generation of rock stars booming and conquering the music industry. At that time, electro dance music hadn't reached the Asian taste buds yet nor it has any space in their palettes. I was technically a running joke when I told my friends that I can now mu- make music and mix music with just my computer. Even called me unfashionable when I told them that I still listen to NWA, Wu-Tang Clan, De La Soul, and Funk Master Flex. Three more, three more years have passed and I finally grew my skills to a point wherein I can already do a set list from trance to hip-hop and back to trance without, you know, pressing that sync button that they tell you. An essential skill, according to my digital mentors, when you aim to play in clubs. I had my first actual CDJ experience with CDJ1000s and on that same day, I got my first party gig. People who know DJing would laugh at me for syncing with the sync button um, and not the conventional jog wheel catch up to that beat and tempo type of thing. Anyway, it was amazing. Um, it felt so good. I got some spine-tingling sensation from the moment I hit the play button till I got off the stage. 
there and then I knew it was all worth it. My my choice of tracks for that short an hour and a half gig never killed the vibe of the crowd. And by the time I step off the stage, my would-be life mentor approached me. A guy who has an eye for passion and nothing else. A guy who taught me not only the things that could improve my skills as a DJ and producer, but also some of the the must-have attributes of a passion over profit creative. I'm... I am really thankful until to this day that I have met my mentor who technically has saved me from the bad things and shits of the music industry. I grew my network from the ground up, from independent clothing stores to sneaker events, street culture events, and urban cult gatherings. Mingling among independent local artists. And 2013 came so fast that I have already made a name for myself. Most people know me as DJ Mackie or that tall guy who produces trance music. I have given countless opportunities from small time gigs to big festival events. I saw my name grow its reputation from someone whom you have never heard of to someone whom you would see in billboards and festival flyers. But with all of the glitz and glamour, one perspective made me treasure this journey with utmost gratitude to my mentor. I've seen local artists who have who had this potential to be someone someday, but never made it. The hate or the digital hate was so brutal that if one would hate you for something, everyone would hate you for everything that you'll do. Forcing you to just stop and carry on with your dreadful life. With your dreams left to die with time. I have seen stolen creations making it big. Carrying worthless people to fame without giving the credit where it's technically due. I have seen artists and creatives who call themselves influencers and artists just so they carry a million likes and followers. Yet, the essence of art is absent and the only... Um, thing that carries them are their good looks. These are what the digital era has made of the culture I love when I was a kid. And these are the struggles an uprising talented young artist would eventually face. I remember the story of a kid in a province whom I'm mentoring right now. Just like how Mr. Lee mentored me back in the day. A kid who has no formal experience or schooling on music and relied on YouTube alone. He started as a hip-hop dancer from a group in their area and it was a mere curiosity that 
made him interested in making and producing music. He told me his struggles like that of that time when he was turned down by so many labels for so many times. Not because he wasn't good, but he doesn't have the right knowledge as the pros would have. Or that time where he got double-crossed by a label just because he wasn't big enough to fight back. He got this potential that I have never seen from people or producers who just learned how to produce music on YouTube, nor from someone who carried himself without mentors. And he asked me if potential is really enough for him to push through. Same goes with my brother, who went on hiatus on his music career just because our parents didn't have the right amount of trust that the music industry could somehow, someday, pay our bills or give us food on our plates. And just recently, he released his first track on a big platform, Spotify. And in a matter of weeks, he got so much exposure just because he believed in himself and the things he can do. And I couldn't be any prouder. They say it was my label and my team of producers that made him and his track skyrocket the indie scene. But we say it's just pure him. We just gave him a nudge because that's how it should be and should always be. These are just some stories of struggle that a young uprising artist or creative could feel in this era. And with these stories of struggles is where I base my judgment together with my team of producers who share the same advocacy as me. To lend a hand to these creatives and give them the trust that nobody could give them. Let them use the paths that we technically paved with our learnings and journeys. Give them the same amount of knowledge that we have and the opportunity wherein they could grow their craft through a label that we started. If you are an artist and you're listening to this episode, I'd like you to know that there might be people around you who would or who will doubt you to bits, support you once and that's it, or hate you to pieces. But as long as you believe in your talent and not on how much likes or follow you get on social media, you'll make it big someday. Just trust the process. And when the time comes that you feel like you can't carry anymore, don't hesitate to reach out to people that people like us and we'll push it through this has been another episode of the progress neighborhood podcast and before i go a simple reminder always hustle over hype until next time bye